0: Good morning, Manchester, and to those of you in surrounding towns. Welcome to Hour 3. Forget Hour (laughs) 2. I am your looking forward to the weekend host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us online at gerardatlarge.com, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Also, at at Gerardatlarge, where we encourage you to like us. And to follow us because we just want to be loved. Yes, 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 we do. All right, uh, a little campaign news here at the top of the hour. We didn't really talk about it yesterday, though it was in yesterday's news read. the. Um, actually, you know what? Let's, let's do this. Um, do you have that clip I sent you uh, from Ben Stein's appearance at Berkeley, the abortion clip? While Josh is getting that, I just want to say a quick note. Uh, I figure that's a good way to follow up on what Ellen Cole just talked about. Uh, and this is you know, I wouldn't bother you with it, but it's a dynamic it's a dynamic exchange that just really shows uh, how bankrupt some of the arguments on abortion are. and it's only two minutes, so I'm not gonna you know belabor it. But uh, while while he's uh, digging up that clip, which I sent you, what Monday? You've got it. All right, we'll we'll do that clip, and then we'll transition to the um to the Manchester uh, mayoral race. Josh, this is from Ben Stein's appearance at Berkeley University, the one where protesters uh actually finally met with a real police presence, uh and police officers were allowed to do what they're supposed to do in these situations. And it was remarkably peaceful, and I marvel at these people who accuse Ben Stein of costing the uh, Berkeley um, somewhere between, depending on who you believe, six hundred thousand and a million two 000 on security. And as Ben Stein st- said in this speech, he said, "I'm not the one out there with clubs and hoods and pushing people around. I'm not costing anybody any money." It's the people who can't behave themselves because they would rather shut somebody down than have a discussion that are costing everybody all the money. This is a Berkeley student addressing Ben Stein on the question of life at Berkeley University. Go. Uh,
1: first of all, I just wanted to thank you for coming. As uh, someone who is left-leaning, I truly believe in freedom of speech, and I think that that is a principle that
2: well, thank you for coming. All of you <laughs> of.
1: So, um, my question was about abortion, and I just wanted to know why exactly do you think a first trimester fetus has moral value?
2: Okay, so a first trimester fetus has moral value because whether you consider it a potential human life or or a full-on human life it has more value than just a cluster of cells. If left to its natural processes, it will grow into a baby. So the real question is where do you draw the line? So you're gonna draw the line at the heartbeat because it's very hard to draw the line at the heartbeat. There are people who are adults who are alive because of a pacemaker. They need some sort of outside force generating their heartbeat. Okay, are you gonna do it based on brain function? Okay, well what about people who are in a coma? Should we just kill them? Right, the problem is anytime you draw any line other than the inception of the child, you end up drawing a false line that can also be applied to people who are adults. So, either human life has intrinsic value or it doesn't. I think we both agree that adult human life has intrinsic value. Can we start from that premise?
1: I believe that sentience um, has, is what gives something moral value. Not, okay, necessarily, so, not necessarily being a human alone. Okay, because,
2: so, or, when you're, so when you're asleep, can I stab you?
1: I'm still considered sentient when I'm asleep.
2: Okay, if you are in a coma from which you may awake, can I stab you?
1: Well, then, uh, no.
2: I guess. Not. I mean, like, well, I'm glad you answered but, that because but, I have no interest in actually murdering you. But
1: that's, so, but that's still potential sentience, and it's still a potential. Like, I agree. You know, like it going is potential sentience.
2: You know what okay. else is potential sentience? Being right. a fetus. Uh, yeah. The issue with that.
1: Uh, the issue I have with that, though, is that um, in if, if I'm in a coma and I'm not like doing anything to anyone, I'm not causing any issues amongst the world. Whereas uh, uh, an un. An unwanted child may or may not be a burden to people. And okay, well, there are be, lots of people who are unwanted, right? I mean, there are lots of
2: people's parents who are unwanted, right? We're a bunch of college students. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the problem is that now, so now you're shifting the argument, right? Before you were making the argument based on the intrinsic value of a life based on sentience, and now you're talking about the level of burden that somebody presents as a separate moral argument, okay? I don't believe that you being a burden on somebody is justification for them killing you, as a general rule.
0: And it basically uh, ended there. <laughs> he said, uh, "What did he say? Okay, oh, I forget how we, how the, the, the student ended it, but uh, yeah. And by the way, if you're in a coma, you're a you're a burden to everybody, according to you know the healthcare system, who's going to sit there and pay for you either through your insurance company or the government, right?" So just think of where you could take those arguments. And I'm being uh, uh, advised by a member of my large and loyal listening family that it's Ben Shapiro, not Ben Stein. I misspoke. I thought it was. uh, Yeah, I know. Bueller. Uh, Bueller. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely not Ben Stein. Ben Shapiro. And what was a remarkable appearance at uh, at Berkeley. Uh, And and so there it is, folks. I mean, at the end of the day, you cannot come up with an argument about a, you know, out of the womb human being that cannot be applied to a human being that is still in the womb and uh, make, you know, and have the argument survive. And I I think Ben Stein, uh, no Shapiro, Ben Shapiro um, uh, put that uh, put that to rest in no uncertain terms. And I, I wanted to share that with you. Uh, because I I I think that you you have to have these ongoing discussions about the uh, about the state of affairs and you know peel back the onion right so <laughs> I believe sentience is like the well even if you were to take the argument on sentience um which is the capacity to feel perceive or experience subjectively uh, look any of us who have ever been parents who've ever watched our kids on a uh, on an ultrasound um, or or, you know talked to them through their mom's tummy or read them stories you know that they're sentient you you know that they they move that they respond you know that if mom eats something the baby doesn't like the baby's gonna let mom know you know that if you read you know one of the coolest things um, after my son was born my first son you know we 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 read to him every night from the time we knew he was there right we read to the baby in the womb one of the coolest things uh after my son was born after the doctors took him after you know after the doctors uh, took him out she had to have a c-section right and uh I started talking. I was I was uh, I was a good distance away and as I was talking, no no joke, you could see Dominic turn his uh, turn his uh, turn and look in the direction of where I was talking. He, he didn't look at the doctors who were talking. He didn't he he looked at me. He recognized the voice. It was really cool. All right, we have our friend Harriet on the line. She wants to discuss right-to-know issues. I guess we'll get to the mayor's race at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Good morning, Harriet.
3: Good morning, Rich. Um, as you know, the Right-to-Know Commission has had two meetings. I am extremely pleased with the direction it's been going in. Uh, Bob Guida, our chairman, has driven the... Um, Senator Guida? Senator Guida. hmm has driven the information that citizens have a right to know and government is there for the citizens. He has made that statement. And he really picks people up when they try to make out as an elected official. Well, sometimes as a school board member, we don't even know about a right to know request because it goes to the superintendent. And he made the statement, that's the problem. Too many school boards have turned their authority over to the superintendent. And um, we expect that the report will be done by November 19th, uh, draft report. It will be reviewed and be turned in by November 1st. David Sadd of Right to Know New Hampshire yesterday provided a um, Excel sheet of all the states and what they have, six have ombudsmen or offices that hear Right to Know. And then uh, you, you basically go to court for, I believe it was 26. Um, and the burden as everybody there is talking about the burden of a citizen having to go to the court. And I think most interestingly is everyone is talking about the violations of the public officials in the right to know. And Senator Gaida asked New Hampshire Municipal Association, do you have training sessions on right to know? And they said, um, Yes, but not mandated by anybody to take. And yesterday, Senator Guida says, I see no reason why we couldn't have a law mandating that an elected official sign that they understand and have taken something to know what the right to know is. Mm -hmm. It has become an issue out there that uh, people are complaining that they're being abused under Right to Know. And then quickly, you mentioned the David Taylor case, and I think we need a bill in the legislature to say that the judges are not interpreting the law per the preamble openness of government is essential or Article 8 of the Constitution because I know of at least three cases where judges have uh, what I feel avoided or gone around the fact that, um, as in Timberlane, a handicapped person, homebound, has no way of getting to that office to pick up a thumb drive once it's paid for. Secondly, that... Certain poor citizens are shut out from information if they can't afford it. And third, the fact of the matter is um, as in yesterday's meeting, the discussion was why are we paying this kind of money? Or information that belongs to the citizens yeah
0: no and i don't and i don't disagree with you on those points, but not having been at the oral argument, I don't know if David Taylor raised those, but I think um what the as I read the the court's ruling i I think what the court did was actually conform to the law, and I would encourage you Harriet, to read that uh you know to read that opinion at Taylor versus SAU 55 and use it as a guidepost for your commission to recommend changes to the right-to-know law because the court was pretty clear about what it thought the limitations of the law were, and in doing so, in my mind's eye, pointed out exactly where and how the law should be changed. I, you know, for as much as I would like to say the court was, was wrong on this one, I, I'm not so sure that they were. Uh, and I think what they did was a big favor to everybody so you can go to the legislature and say, look, this is what the Supreme Court said the law allows and doesn't allow, so we know exactly where we need to change it. And I think if that's done, um, you know, a lot of this goes away.
3: I, I agree with you, except that the courts are supposed to interpret the law about the intentions
0: well I I, I, I I understand that too, but but you know what the intention the court was pretty clear on, on that question of intent and it said we don't we don't go to legislative intent, intent unless the language of the uh, of the of the law is unclear. And they said the language of the law is clear. and so in saying that, they've shown the legislature or advocates for the right to know clearly where to change things.
3: And and I agree we're going to have to change things, but I don't think that laws can spell out every little thing.
0: No. And, and generally the they, Supreme Court's been pretty good on the presumption of coughing up the information uh, versus not coughing up the information. But I,
3: they're not being clear on the fact of the matter that that um, SAU has been obstructive. They are not following the intent of Article 8 or the law, which openness of government states must be. I am looking for a handicapped citizen who will bring a handicapped suit, because that handicapped suit is under federal law where they must do things. And I'm really tired of what Metzler has done to make it most difficult for a citizen to have information.
0: Harriet, thank you and for the call. Others. Harriet, I'm sorry, we get a, we're get we way over time and i got a segment coming in, but thank you for the call. Your points, as always, are well made. Thank you. All right, that's our, our Right to Know watchdog. Harriet Katie, now a member of yet another Right to Know commission here in the state of New Hampshire. Sounds like promising progress is being made. We're going to take a really quick break for traffic, weather, and sports. Mike Pistone in the house. Stay with us.